You're listening to the Upper Room Frisco podcast. To learn more about your Frisco, please visit upperroomfrisco.com. Okay, so tonight what I want to attempt to do is start a two-part series on the Trinity, the relationship between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I hope, I mean, I'm pretty sure it's just going to spill over into things like the gospel, because um, <clears throat> it's really good news. Um, I, I hesitate always to say I'm going to start a series, because you never know what the Holy Spirit might want to do next week. But my intentions are to do a two-part series on uh, the Trinity, and so... Um, and it should be really good news. You guys have probably heard of that leadership book, From Good to Great. Well, I want to take it from the good news to the great news. Like, <laughs> we're going to transition from like, our, our understanding of what was good news and step into something that is just beyond comprehension. That, that moment when you think to yourself, it can't be that good. He can't be that kind. That's where we're heading. Okay. From good news to great news. So I want to take us back to the foundation. I think a lot of us, including me, um, we have dysfunctions in our life. And I believe that dysfunction in our life is actually symptomatic of a faulty root system or a foundational belief about God. Because you don't just accidentally produce bad fruit. There has to be some sort of bad root. And so I want to go back to our foundation in Christ. I want to go back a long, long, long ways. And um, a lot of it, including me, it's, it's a little bit scary to go back and try to correct a faulty root system. But if we don't, it's, it's just going to be like treating a symptom without addressing the sickness. It's like if you take your car to the mechanic because your brakes are bad and you go and pick it up, he, he gives you the keys and says, I couldn't fix the brakes, so I made your horn louder. <laughs> like, that's not addressing the issue. <laughs> like... <laughs> And a lot of us, we just like to make our horns louder instead of going back and fixing our brakes. And so if you could be courageous with me, let's go back to the beginning. Um, I firmly believe that all the issues in our life, all the dysfunctions in our life can be fixed by looking at the man, Jesus Christ. He was the serpent lifted in the wilderness. And when all of Israel had been bitten by poisonous serpents, they said, all you have to do is look at him. And the poison would be drawn from your body. And so Jesus, he's come along and he's saying things like, I and the exact representation of the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If we behold him, we become more and more and more like him. We are ever being transformed from glory to glory into his beautiful image, acting, looking, behaving, and thinking more like him. Amen? So Jesus is this one who perfectly showed us the Father, and he also perfectly showed us what it looks like to be anointed by the Holy Spirit. Jesus is seated next to the Father. Right now, far above all rule and reign and authority. And we have been seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. This is really good news. Amen? <laughs> That's my friend. The louder you are, the more I love you. 
Jesus is by him, through him, for him, and in him were created all things, which means that Jesus existed before all things. Now, this is really important in this day and age, especially because there is a doctrine of demons or an ideology that is it's pervasive and it's, it's out there and it's that Jesus is just a created being or he's just another guy who simply got really woke. Like there came this moment where he just like came into this deep understanding of, of God and at, after that point he became more like a savior. That is false. He is before all things. In him were created all things. Through him were created all things. And for him were created all things. So if all things were created by him, that means that he couldn't, if he didn't exist, the first thing he would have to do is create himself and then start creating things, which is just nonsense. Hebrews 1.10 actually says it like this. And you, Lord, in the beginning laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of your hand. This is in reference to Jesus. Another really cool scripture, it's 1 Timothy 3.16. Paul says to Timothy, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh. Yahweh took on flesh. Justified in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up in glory. So the word for God in this passage is theos. Theos is the word that is most commonly used to refer to Yahweh, not just some other spiritual being. This, this scripture verse is actually saying that Jesus is God himself manifested in the flesh. Are you with me? I want to go to one of my favorite passages, and if you have your Bibles, you can open them up. We're going to camp out here. Can you guys put John 1 up? This is John chapter 1, verse 1. Can anybody from memory just shout this out? Oh, it's already up there. (laughs) They're so fast back there. They beat, beat me to it. In the beginning was the word. So this is a jam-packed theological verse. And so I want to take some time unpacking a lot of it. So we're in the book of John now. Matthew, he go, when he's describing Jesus, he goes back to Abraham. And he, said, and he, and he describes um, history starting with Abraham revealing Christ. Mark, in his gospel, he goes back to John the Baptist, and Luke goes all the way back to Adam to begin to describe this incredible story and how Jesus came onto the scene. But John was like, I don't think y'all are going back far enough. If we're really going to talk about who Jesus is, he is before all things. We're going to have to go back to the beginning to really talk about who Jesus is. And the word was with God. And the word was God. See, this passage is beginning to show us the relationship between the Father and the Son. 
the unity, the oneness. Deuteronomy 6.4 is actually, um, it's, it's called the Shema or the beginning of the Shema. It's what all of Jewish faith rests on. And in Deuteronomy 6.4, it says it like this. This is like the bedrock of Jewish faith. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Now, this is actually a really lit passage of scripture. If you go back and pick it apart, just hang, just hang on with me. I'm just going to do this real quick. Here, this is Deuteronomy 6.4. It directly applies to what we're talking about. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. That word Lord is singular. It's one. But the next word God is plural. And then even the word one is akad or yachid, yachid. And it's not a word for singularity, but it's a word for togetherness. So it's saying, hear, O Israel, the one Lord is God. And it's actually referring to the Trinity. It's a plural word at this point. And it says, is one or is perfect in unity, perfect in togetherness. And so the very foundational scripture of the Jewish faith actually paints a picture of the Trinity. Isn't that cool? And then that word with is pros, P-R-O-S, which is much more weighty than the way we understand with. It's not just like, He's with me, and we're walking the same direction. That word pros means to actually be turned towards one another, face to face. So the Apostle John is saying we have to start here to understand everything else. Because God is not self-centered. He is other-centered. It is the Father and the Son eternally dwelling in a place where they are face to face. And we haven't even gotten to the Holy Ghost yet. And the Father doesn't have a slightly bigger throne. (laughs) There's not this hierarchy where the Father sits higher and the Son is looking up at the Father. They're face to face. Jesus is the exact representation of the Father. If we start everything in this light, then we'll begin to understand the whole rest of the story from the correct perspective of relational and positional fellowship with God. See, God is not this faceless, nameless deity that is detached emotionally and geographically from relationship. His very existence is relationship. Um, Are the Betsas here? I want to do a visual demonstration. Can I get Derek's and Daniel up here for a minute? I want to show you what this looks like. I didn't give you a choice. I just made you do it. Okay. Yeah. Derek's, can you sit right here? And Daniel, can you sit right next to him? Okay, now pretend this is a a father-son. They're, they're not just sitting on a stage, they're sitting on thrones. And now can you kind of turn towards each other more? Maybe like touch knees? There you go. 
<clears throat> okay. This is father, son in the heavenly realm. This is what they look like. This is their modus operandi, their mode of operation. If they're just chilling, they're sitting here face to face for all eternity, loving each other. Okay? Now, let's pretend like, um, who else? CJ, can you come up here? Unfortunately, you're going to be more of a villain. <clears throat> Go ahead and sit down. <clears throat> now, you almost need like a, put your arm up like, out like this, like you're holding a, a king's staff. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> I want you guys to understand something. Most of the world views God as this man alone sitting on a throne with a mighty staff to govern the universe, how he sees fit, detached from relationship. And our job is to worship him and try to please him and earn our place into his family that we don't even know if he has a family because there's no one sitting next to him. But over... <laughs> All right. <clears throat> By a show of hands, who feels comfortable serving this God? Who feels like they, the confidently that they could run? <laughs> and we, we know the rest. No one's going to raise their hand and be like, I want to I serve Zeus. Give me the Zeus. Like, no, one, no one's into that. <clears throat> Stay up here for just a minute. This type of God, <laughs> I'm pointing... CJ is an amazing, loving man, just so you guys know. All right, put a scowl back on your face. <laughs> this type of God cannot be personable or approachable. Is this God good? Can you be good if you are alone? There would have to be some sort of measure of goodness, and, it, and it's an otherly word. You, there has to be some sort of relationship to determine even if someone is good or not. Can this God even be love if he is alone? Can love even exist if it doesn't have one to pour out its love upon? And over here, we have a father-son face-to-face. Man, they look, at, look like each other. Like just beautiful father-son situation over here. And you can approach them with confidence. You know that this father loves this son and the son loves this father. They are always other preferring one another. Over here... How do you get him to love you? And how will you ever be sure if he does love you? Wouldn't it be exhausting to try to get a divine being like that that we are unsure about to love us and keep loving us and blessing us? Guys, if we're always trying to be accepted into a family, then we never get to the point where we enjoy being part of the family.
over here, it, it, I mean, it goes deeper and deeper with the levels of revelation that you can apply. Daniel fully trusts his father. Which means when he ran, when Jesus ran to the father, boldly approaching the throne, we saw older brother boldly approaching the throne and all of humanity in that moment knew that we can run towards that kind of dad. So in the beginning was the word and the word was face to face with the father. Thank you guys. So John, in uh, that first chapter of his gospel, uh, it, it lines up perfectly in parallel with the very first verse of our, of our Bible. If you go to Genesis 1. We get to see the third person of the Trinity. Genesis 1, verse 2. The Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. This is Holy Ghost. This is Ruach. Holy Spirit is not an angel, not a force. Holy Spirit is a person. Theologians have referred to Holy Spirit as the overcomer of the gap between the unseen and the seen, hovering between heaven and earth. The Holy Spirit is the eternal light in whom the Father sees the Son and the Son sees the Father. Holy Spirit loves to shed light so that we can see who we are are going to have fellowship with, who we get to have fellowship with. Most theologians would agree that the Holy Spirit possesses the feminine attributes of Yahweh. The spirit, I mean, the, the word for uh, Holy Spirit is ruah in Hebrew, which means breath, wind, spirit, and it's a feminine word. So it's a really, um, it's awesome to think that within God, was hidden everything of perfect masculinity and everything of perfect femininity. That should be really encouraging to every woman. You know, he's not just father to the fatherless, but mother to the motherless. So the feminine attributes of Yahweh hovered over the waters. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that later. Again, these, this is Father, Son, Holy Spirit mutually honoring, serving, respecting each other. It's so otherly and beautiful that we actually had to make up words to describe it. It didn't fit into our paradigms. The Father is in the Son, and the Son is in the Spirit, in the Father, and they dwell together in utter oneness, yet never once lose themselves in the process. This is really good news for us, and I'll tell you why. It means that <clears throat> we're not going to be absorbed into some heavenly collective consciousness. It means that, actually, it means like, the more you are yourself, the more you glorify Jesus, the more you bring him joy, and forever and ever, your identity is going to be unfolding in enriching measure in the presence of God. You're not going to cease to exist and just be absorbed pretty cool, huh? No one has ever thought that would be fun. 
<laughs> this is great news. This is actually the deepest desires of our heart, and you could probably feel your heart yearning as, as I talk about it. We often feel this connection in praise moments or encounters, but then we go back to believing God needs us to please him with our performance so that he doesn't then take it away. And that's the route that I want to go and pull up. Most of the hymns and doctrines that we've grown up with are written to this God. If you think about it. The Trinity does not have an abandoning bone in its body. It never crossed the Holy Spirit's mind to abandon us, and it never crossed the Father's mind to abandon Jesus. See, this God over here demands submission, demands praise. This one over here submitted even to us. This one over here loves to praise us loves to honor us. This one submitted to even bad Roman rule becoming obedient to death. This one who never had to obey or submit to anyone joyfully did so. He would get imprisoned with us into the very same cell just so that he could be near enough to redeem our hearts and hatch an escape plan together with us. This one is completely fulfilled and satisfied before mankind ever came around. Over here, you have Father, Son, Holy Spirit enjoying unbroken communion, fellowship, joy, love, otherliness. And then there came this day, I don't know how to describe it other than to say, they wanted to expand the party. They wanted to grow the family. They wanted to create more beautiful beings to lavish their love upon and to be loved in return. Ryan Crowell, who is up here prophesying, he likes to say it like this, God is not a three-letter word, but a three-person family. So God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, is a perfectly fulfilled family. And there came a day, a moment, when they wanted to expand the party. And since he creates after his own image, if he is a family, then he is going to create family. He is a family creating family here. He's creating after his own image in this moment in our lives in this church in Frisco. Real authority and sustained power is going to come when we are vulnerable, open, and altogether fulfilled in one another's love. Here's a mysterious verse that sheds a little light on this. This is Ephesians 5, 31 through 32. This is a verse that gets said at a lot of weddings. It says, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. 
Okay, put on your profound mystery hats with me. <laughs> this is a crazy verse. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be united to his bride, and the two shall become one flesh. Great mystery, but I'm talking about Jesus and his church. So, hatched in the heart and mind of God, this trinity, this perfect family, they're thinking it's time for the son to go get a bride. Do you guys realize the honor that we have of being considered the bride to the son? That it's not just that like we are getting to worship and serve Jesus. No, 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 no. Our in-laws. We got the best in-laws in the world. I should call them the in-loves because the law is nowhere as good as the love. <laughs> we have been brought in to the fellowship of the father. Bear with me, the mother and the son. <laughs> so this is a metaphor. It's a picture. <laughs> And it's a beautiful one at that. But I want to go back to something that we already talked about. There is a point where, it where we need to depart from the literal because Jesus was not created. He was not birthed of the father and mother. He is uncreated. He always existed as we already established. In fact, that word only begotten actually means the only one of his class, echelon, or kind. Jesus is unlike anything else. He is uncreated. Begotten means not that he was birthed. It means that he is of a class that can't be compared to anything else in the created order. Cool? So let me end here in just a minute. I'm talking about Ashley and I. Ashley and I, were we were a happy three chords. We were a three, uh, or what is it, a three-stranded chord. We were... <clears throat> husband and wife and God, and we were completely fulfilled and enjoying fellowship and marriage and love. And then this day came along where we wanted to expand the party. <laughs> we wanted to grow the family. And even though we were fulfilled in our love for each other and didn't need something else to fulfill us, love compelled us to multiply. One of the children that God gave us, I nicknamed Snugglebug. Her name is Evelyn. From day one, she was a snuggler. She just loves physical contact. Little Sweet little Evelyn, when she was this big, she would fall asleep on my chest as I was laying on my back in my bed many nights, just feeling the father's chest rise and fall, hearing my feeling my breath and hearing my heartbeat, and she was right here. She's my Snugglebug. She trusts me without question. I have her heart, and she has mine. Now, I can say this about all my kids, but for illustration's sake, I just wanted to highlight my firstborn daughter. 
because Yahweh had a firstborn daughter. Eve, sweet Eve, Yahweh's snuggle bug, who he loved with all of his heart. She had his heart and he had hers. Unbroken communion between a father and a daughter. Now let's say, let's say someone enters my life, a friend, someone that we think is a friend, but they're a manipulator and we didn't know it. And we brought them into fellowship, you know, into our house at times. And what, what I didn't know is this manipulator sowed doubt into sweet snugglebug Evelyn's heart about my intentions towards her as a father. And then Evelyn begins to doubt my love for her, doubt my intentions to bless her, protect her, give her the things that she needs as a daughter. She begins to doubt these things in me. She has a question of my nature and my intentions towards her because this manipulator has entered our lives and tricked her into believing false things about me as a father. Let's say because of the influence of this manipulator, it has affected her for the rest of her life. There's always a lingering question about my love for her as her daddy. The serpent was more cunning than the rest of the animals. Deceiving Eve, tricking her into believing false things about the nature of the father. And the whole entire rest of the Bible is a story of God redeeming in our minds his good nature and intentions towards us. And if a moment came when wrath or anger is poured out, who's going to get the full force of it? My sweet snuggle bug, bug, Evelyn, whose name also means Eve, I just... Just put that together. Sweet Eve means life, mother of life. If a moment comes where justice is poured out, is my wrath going to be against my daughter or the one that manipulated her into believing false things about my intentions towards her as a dad? What do you think the father is doing right now in the spirit realm. He is pouring out his power against the one who tricked us into believing false things about him. His struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the powers, the rulers, the forces of darkness in this present evil age. He disarmed him. Jesus showed up. Jesus showed up to disarm and make a public spectacle of the enemy so that we could see his good nature. And the way that he did it, He let us pour out our rage on him. The ultimate display of a father's love is he took the beating from his own child and in that moment, he's shouting, you don't know what you're doing, I forgive you. Redeeming in our minds the nature and intentions and heart of the father. It would take thousands of years and immeasurable pain before the words take and eat would be redeemed. Eve in the garden takes and eats this fruit. 
Jesus comes and says, you can take and eat of this fruit. Hey, let's stand and pray. We're going to continue this next week. Jesus, we're undone by your love. We're amazed by your goodness. We have underestimated your kindness so many times. Would you show us your, your true nature? Holy Spirit, would you do the thing that you love to do and reveal the Father and Son in increasing measure in our lives? Uh, uh, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, would you correct every caricature that we've painted of the Father in our minds? Would you undo the work of the manipulator in our heart? Would you expose the root and yank it from our hearts and replace it with true belief and understanding of your ways? In Jesus' mighty name. And the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We pray, Amen.